I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and feature on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today, my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Hey, Andrew. Hey, man. Uh, Thunder played their last preseason game, praise the Lord, last night against the Milwaukee Bucks. And it was a super fun game. I was not really looking forward to it, to be honest, because... We knew that guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe weren't playing. And it turned into a super fun game against the two basically benches slash G League teams of the Bucks and Thunder. Uh, a few things of note uh, from the first half. Paul George was on fire. He had 26 points in 19 minutes, uh, 13 shots. He got to the free throw line eight times. Uh, he looked ready to go. Uh, I don't know if you saw his Instagram post from yesterday as well, where he's jumping over one of his friends. Uh, he he looks he looks ready for the regular season. So I thought that that was exciting. Uh, Dennis Schroeder got hit in the head by Paul George in the like right at the end of the first half. Uh, got like hit with his elbow. He's apparently he's fine, which is good news because it just seemed like the Thunder's luck that their only really good point guard would go out before the regular season starts, but he seems to be fine. Uh, Steven Adams was played limited minutes. Uh, Patterson played limited minutes as well and missed just about everything last night. Uh, but the real story of the game, Alex, what was it? Uh, it was your two favorite boys. <laughs> uh, Deontay Burton. And Hamadou Diallo. Now, the Hamadou one is probably more relevant for the near term. 100%. Because he, yeah. he, he really looks like someone who could be getting minutes very soon. Which is crazy to think about because last night I was watching the, the OKC feed and Michael Cage was listing off all the 14, the 14 man roster. Yeah. And as he's going through, I'm thinking, well, he's going to get some minutes. He's going to get minutes. He's going to get minutes. It's like they're not many holes in this roster at least in terms of like guys who you definitely don't want to see on the court at all yeah at least that's how i feel right now i'm sure we will develop (laughs) a deep-seated hatred for someone on this roster (laughs) don't you think it's gonna be ray don't you think it's gonna be ray it it probably will yeah especially if he's getting those two guard minutes when we have all these guys that we could bring off the bench Mm -hmm. um but yeah diallo man just compared to like past recent past OKC young guys that they've brought in. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of compare him to Schroeder too. I, I really think it's interesting that they brought him in this year and they brought in Schroeder because these are not typical fall in line behind Westbrook type guys. Now, to be fair, we haven't really seen them play with Westbrook, so maybe they'll change, but he is not another one of these plug him in next into Westbrook where he fills this very specific role. He's not going to bother Westbrook. He won't interrupt him. Like, please, <laughs> please don't do anything beyond what you can actually do. Like he is aggressive. He is super confident. He thinks he's really good. It's, it, he's just a different type of young player on this thunder team compared to what we've seen in the past couple of years. I'm getting into my thirties and luckily I haven't had to deal with this yet, but I've noticed a lot of my friends around me are starting to lose their hair. And when you first notice that you're losing your hair, it's too late. Most men, actually 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And it's much easier to keep the hair that you have than replace the hair that you've lost. But there's a solution for hymns.com. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. 
They have well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions that will help you keep your hair. None of the weird snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. I hope that none of you are using those, but uh, don't do it. You need to go to forhims.com. You get prescription solutions backed by science. There's no more waiting rooms or awkward personal visits to the doctor. You can save hours at forhims.com. It's super easy. You'll just answer a few quick questions and a doctor will review and prescribe you what you need. And the products will be shipped right to your front door. Now, my listeners will get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. So you can go to forhims.com slash OKC Dunk. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash OKC Dunk. Forhims.com slash OKC Dunk. Check it out today. Yeah, and I was texting with Jay last night, and this statement sounds crazy, but it's really not when you think about it is that he may be like the most promising wing the Thunder have had, the promising young wing the Thunder have had ever, right? And not, obviously, we're not including like the James Hardens and the Kevin Durant's like like role-playing wing. Because the truth is the bar is really low for that. Um, they, they haven't brought in guys that have really stuck. They've always had to go, we've talked about this, they always have to go get a Crom Butler, a Corey Brewer, a Derek Fisher at the end of the season because they don't trust any of those guys. Um, but I think that he's probably, he's definitely got a higher ceiling than a lot of the guys that Thunder have had, you know, Perry Jones and Jeremy Lamb never got the trust of the coaching staff. Oh my goodness. My voice. <laughs> um, Josh Hustis was scared to death to play. And there was like a lack of respect for him in general. Uh, Andre Robertson is obviously grown into one of the better role players in the league. Uh, but he never really developed as an offensive player like they would have liked. Uh, Alex Abrinas could can't really hasn't really been able to stay healthy. Uh, but and then you have Ferguson too, which I think is kind of in the same boat as Diallo. But man, he he just looked so good last night, and it's like he shot the ball really well last night. He had if you haven't if you didn't watch the game or you haven't seen his line, he had 19 points, he had four or five rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. He was three of five from three last night. Uh, he was really, really good in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, it's not just the shooting, and Billy touched on that last night, that it's it's not whether he makes or misses shots that's going to keep him on the court. It's going to be his defense. It's going to be his effort. It's going to be making the right decisions. And for a 20-year-old second-round pick, it just seemed improbable that he would be a guy that would be doing something like this. But he's... He's got a ton of talent. He's a guy that came from Kentucky. Some of those Kentucky guys, they don't really get to show who they are at Kentucky. Right. We saw that with Devin Booker. Like, nope. People thought he would be like awesome Anthony Morrow, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody knew that he could be this kind of player. They definitely box in those guys at Kentucky, really teach them. Uh, they do a great job with teaching them how to scout other teams and how to prepare. And they teach them how to play a role. And when they get to the NBA, some of them are really good and some of them not so much. But a lot of those guys are way better than people think. And it just it's a little baffling that he slipped as far as he did and even into the second round that he wasn't like in the 30s. But so it looks like the Thunder got a steal again. It's early. This is preseason. I want to see him do this against high level competition. But to me, I've seen enough to say that he's going to be in the rotation probably at least for parts of the season. Uh, he's going to play, and he's pretty good. Yeah, and I, I think it makes sense to not expect the shooting to be there initially. I think last yeah. night was might be an aberration. Mm-hmm. But I compare him to someone like Josh Hustis who would occasionally have flashes. But if you were arguing for Hustis to get playing time, you almost had to be using advanced stats because he didn't exactly pop when he was on the court. Right. Whereas like with Diallo, you notice him like he makes himself noticed Mm -hmm. every like every couple of plays. He was doing something to stand out. He's just so aggressive. And and I think um, like even his ball handling and his decision making with the ball. Um, you know, even when he would get it on the three point line and dribble in a little bit and pass to someone else, it's just not something we've seen from a lot of wings on OKC. Right. 
yeah, again, the bar is so low. <laughs> you know, it is. We had big expectations for guys like Jeremy Lamb and Perry Jones, but honestly, they just didn't work hard enough. They had the skill. I mean, they both had the skill level. They were both similar to Diallo in that they were highly recruited out of high school, played for big time colleges, and went in the first round. Like both of those guys have tremendous talent, but they didn't have the work ethic. Uh, Diallo's come in and he's gained the trust and respect of the coaching staff almost instantly. They just rave about him. And then also to me, and I talked about this, I think I talked about this on Monday. If not, I talked about it on the radio yesterday that, uh, Steven Adams raving about him is what has me completely bought in because to me, Steven Adams is one of the smartest guys on the team, if not the smartest. And then like Paul George said that he reminds him of himself. Like Paul George just feels like he's going to say that about me at some point. Like he just talks. <laughs> um, but when Adam said it, it was like, Oh, okay. Cause he kind of gave you a little glimpse of behind the scenes, what's going on. And he's, he, I think he's going to play. I didn't think he would. I thought that he'd be kind of at the back of the line with all these new wings. And we were asked to rank these wings basically off of, you know, prior play and what's going on in our own brains, you know? Uh, but then we get to watch him and it's like, Oh, well he may, he may play over a Brinus at times. Like that might actually happen because he checks all of the thunder boxes. Athleticism check tries out on defense check. He's got great length check. Uh, he's going to rebound the ball at a high level check. Um, he's just a guy that's going to make things happen. And we saw that the very beginning of the game, he had a really nice block, uh, and then that steal that he had where he stole the inbound pass and then had a burst of speed for a dunk. At the, like, that's just a Thunder play. And he just he just fits everything the Thunder would want. And it, it says a lot for him because the Thunder have had their eye on him not only in this last draft, but there was a chance he could have been eligible for the prior draft, and they were very interested in him then. Uh, so uh, he's, he's going to play, and if he continues to develop – I mean, the Thunder may have a real steal on their hands. And it, and it just caps off just a wild summer for yeah. Sam Presti because, you know, we were all excited about the <laughs> this random two second round picks who were uh, Kevin Hervey and I forget the other guy's name already. Devin Hall. Yeah. Devin Hall. And then they get Hamadou Diallo and then they get this undrafted guy in Deontay Burton. And the fact that two of those four guys are already playing significant preseason minutes. I mean, that in itself is pretty amazing. (laughs) It is. Yeah. We can talk about Deontay Burton. His, the first, his first half minutes and even the beginning of his second half minutes are kind of nondescript. Uh, and then he just caught fire. (laughs) He really delivered in overtime. He hit three or four threes, uh, he finished with 16 points, uh, a block, three steals, and four rebounds. Uh, he's just a guy. He has a really good feel for the game. Uh, just like Diallo, y- you cannot count on big-time three-point shooting from this guy. Uh, his release is often different almost every time, which is not a good thing. Uh, but he's a fun player, and he's going to be mostly G League. So I want to like temper people's expectations because – I've gotten no indication other than he's going to probably play for the blue a lot, which will make the blue exciting. I mean, I may go to a blue game just to watch 50 possessions of Deontay Burton. Um, (laughs) You're going to start another podcast. I might. I don't know. Start a blue podcast. (laughs) I'm going to start the blue pod. Actually, CBS Sports Radio that I'm working for now has exclusive rights with the blue, which I was like, at first I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. But now it's like, okay. It's really cool. It's really actually cool because you, you get to watch Deontay Burton play a lot. Um, you keep sending in press requests to talk to Deontay after every single game. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but he was great. Uh, he was super funny. He had that alley-oop from Diallo, which just made my head explode. Uh, he was just – he's just a super fun player. He remind, He's a lot – the more I watch him, the more I'm like, yeah, he's kind of Dion Waiters, right? Like his his body type and the way he plays is a little bit similar to Dion. He's kind of a more in control Dion. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see if he pans out. If anything ever happens there, he's it, he kind of feels like house money at this point. Like mm-hmm. if anything came out of Deontay Burton, that'd be amazing. Right now, he's kind of it's just fun having him around. 
Right. Yeah, he's a super fun player. And if he develops in the G League and under the eye of the Thunder, and they bring him in to play maybe a few games where they're resting guys toward the end of the season or something like that, which I think is totally possible, uh, maybe he develops. And he's a guy that they sign next season. Uh, TLC had a pretty good game last night. Um, I'm trying to look at his stats. He played 18 minutes, scored 10 points. He was one of five from three, four of 10 from the field. Uh, two assists, two steals, five rebounds. Like he's okay. Uh, I'm I'm probably lower on him than I was at the time of the trade and even during the off season. I'm probably lower on him than I am anybody else. Um, still haven't seen Abdul Nader play. And I don't know if he will. I don't know what his status is as far as his health, which is, that, which is why he's not playing. Um, but I think that I'm obviously a lot higher on Diallo and a little bit lower on, on TLC. Yeah, I think that makes sense. TLC has been pretty nondescript so far. And maybe that changes. I mean, The thing he has going for him is that he's bigger than a lot of these other wings. Yeah. And he might get minutes just because of that. Yeah, he has experience. And who knows? Like we may get to the regular season, and because of what they've seen in practice, they may want to play TLC and Abrinas more than they play a guy like Diallo. I think that's that is entirely possible. That a lot of times they use preseason just to see like what do we have in this guy, and maybe what Diallo did was eye popping enough for the coaching staff to say like yeah, I kind of want to play him more than than Tim. So, but we'll see. <laughs> Did you mention that Diallo's all five of his rebounds were offensive last night? I did not mention that, but <laughs> it's not surprising. Like you watch him play. He's he's in a this team is already an elite offensive rebounding team, but you add him to the bunch. And yeah. And even him like this team will still be together in a couple of years. And if he develops and can be a starting level guard that can that is more competent on the offensive end than a guy like Robertson. And I mean, the truth is we don't know what Robertson looks like moving forward, which is kind of like a sad thought because that that patellar tendon injury is huge. And a lot of guys don't recover. We've seen like the history of it in the NBA is usually it's older guys that, that have that injury and it completely takes them out of the NBA, basically. Uh, we don't know what it looks like in a younger guy like Robertson uh, and It'll it'll be very interesting to see if he can come back at full health. And I know the Thunder are going to be super cautious. And they'll probably wait longer than they need to on him to make sure he's completely healed and ready to go. And really, to me, this for this particular season, if a guy like Diallo can step up and play a role for this team and help them become a, a good defense, uh, then I think it just allows the team to let Robertson completely take his time no worries, and then come back, and then you may have an even deeper team than you thought you would have. Um, because I, I don't know what the expectations from the team were with Diallo, uh, but I certainly think he can be a role player. Uh, and like you said, this this may be one of the... And I feel like we say this almost every year, and I don't know if this will... It seems more true this year, but I don't know if that's just because we're in the moment. But this could be one of the deeper Thunder teams they've ever had. Um, like, well, I was... I was looking at um, their basketball reference page and just as a example, a single data point to compare last year's roster to this year's roster. Last year, Russell Westbrook was the sixth oldest player on the team. Mm -hmm. So there were five players older than him. And this year he's the second oldest. Okay. Huh. That is really interesting. It's just crazy to think of Westbrook as like the old guy now, like Felton's the only one left that could beat him out. Yeah, that's true. And <clears throat> when we talked about this team having depth last season, we knew for sure that we had a Nick Collison on the end of the bench that wasn't going to play. Uh, we had Dakari Johnson, who I didn't think was an NBA player. You had Kyle Singler, who was taking up a spot last season. Um, and then you have Josh Hustis. And so you have those four guys. One of them is still in the NBA, and Josh Hustis signed with the Spurs on basically a training camp contract where he's going to get a chance to go play for their G League team, but he has a Jones fracture. And so you're talking about three guys that are on the 15-man roster that are no longer in the NBA, one, because he's retired, and then two, because they couldn't make any other team in the league. And so and Josh Eustis was just barely there. So you could say the Thunder had four guys on their bench that 
really weren't NBA players. You know, I think Josh right. was he played well in spots, but by season's end, you could just tell that he was a little bit washed for the season. That mentally he was just wasn't there, and now you just can't really say that about this team because you have guys like TLC that could be out of the rotation. You have um, Diallo who's going to be near the end of the bench. We don't really know what we're going to get from Abdel Nader. Maybe he's a guy that's just not an NBA player, which is totally possible. Um, but still, you don't have those wasted roster spots because they just got to points in the season last year where it was like we just need somebody, we just need anyone that can play. We can't find him, and so we have to bring in Corey Brewer, who was basically not playing for the Lakers, which was not a good team, which was not a good sign, and he came in, and he was better than all of them, which was really great for the team, but it also just showed the kind of talent that they had on their bench. I think Terrence Ferguson being a rookie, Alex Sabrinas being inconsistent, and kind of being, he's, he was hurt a lot last year. And so it's just a huge improvement for this roster to at least have guys you feel like you can try. And even a guy like TLC, like he's going to be okay. You know, I I think he has confidence and that he's willing to shoot it and that he knows how to put the ball on the floor. He had that really nice dunk last year or not last year, last night. Uh, But then with like Josh Hustis, that's the play that he could never make was put the ball on the floor, two or three dribbles, get to the bucket. Um, And so TLC already has that. So like the talent level this, this team has, while they are a lot younger, I think they're way more talented. I'd like to thank the mule for sponsoring today's show. The mule is in the Plaza district 16th and Blackwell. They're near downtown Oklahoma city and it is a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant. You can go in and get yourself a classic grilled cheese with tomato soup. And it's great for days. Uh, Like we've been having in Oklahoma city. It's kind of rainy, kind of cold. Oh man, go get yourself something from the mule not only do they have great grilled cheese uh their sides all their sides are really good their their french fries are unbelievable their onion rings are really good they have a seasonal side uh, that could be a soup or a salad uh, but it's always very creative and always really good so you've got to go check out the mule uh a few of their most a few of their best sandwiches, the macaroni pony with jalapeno cornbread, chipotle barbecue pulled pork, three cheese mac and cheese, and a pickle. It's very, very good. You can get the Cortez, which is one of my favorites. It's jalapeno cornbread, braised short ribs, grilled jalapeno, caramelized onion with spicy aioli, and it's very, very good. I always get that with their french fries that are seasoned just right. You've got to go check out the mule. Support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at the mule. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I, if I could hope for one thing for this season, it's that by the end of the season, we will see a lineup with Westbrook, Diallo, Robertson, Paul George, and then whoever you want at center. I don't even, I don't even really care at that point. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. Yeah. And when, when you add Robertson back to the mix, uh, this team becomes incredibly versatile. And if Diallo mm-hmm. really can play, and, and maybe Ferguson turns out to be a really good player for this team too. Uh, the team is all in on Terrence Ferguson. They have been since they drafted him, uh, and they really like him. They like his work ethic. They like the way that he tries on the defensive end, and he is going to be more of a real shooter this year than Diallo will be. And so uh, it's it's never a bad thing to have two 20 year olds that are developing wings alongside one another kind of, and I think they'll push each other too because you know, they're, they're like the anti Jeremy lamb, Perry Jones, who I, I don't think Jeremy lamb, Perry Jones pushed each other to do anything, but just hug on the bench. Um, <laughs> these guys are, I think they're going to push each other on the court, um, which I think is a great thing to have that competition there. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, it's going to be interesting season and you know, we can get into our next segment, but uh, I don't, you know, you didn't have Westbrook or Robertson, which is obviously disappointing on a lot of levels, but uh, it was still a really fun preseason. It was one of the more fun preseasons that we've had in a long time, uh, just because there is that depth there. And, you know, before it was like, oh man, like Westbrook and the starters are out. And, you know, Jeremy Grant wasn't very good at the beginning of last year and he had kind of a rough preseason, but I thought that he kind of he got better as the preseason went along, but 
like the, the end of the Thunder bench has never been exciting or fun. Uh, or at least it hasn't been in a long time. And then <laughs> this year, uh, they have, a, there's a lot to be excited about. All right, Andrew, are you ready for, uh, my specially prepared segment? <sighs> yes. So watching last night's game, everyone was so excited about Hamadou Diallo. I started to think, Hey, what is this guy's nickname? He must have a nickname. <laughs> so I went on to basketballreference.com and all they had was Hami, which yeah. is a pretty, a pretty good nickname. I like it. But I was like, well, there must have been something else. I mean, this guy was a pretty big high school recruit. There must be some other name out there. So I start scouring the internet and I find this Facebook video from courtcred.com. Sounds like a credit union for ballers. <laughs> And they're, they're, this is from two years ago, and they're interviewing Hamadou Diallo. And they're interviewing him after the game. And it honestly sounds like the Deborah Buckets question. Like, hey, a lot of people are calling you this. What do you think about it? <laughs> and they say, uh, hey, a lot of people are calling you Homicide Hami. What oh, do you think about that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah, sure. That sounds pretty cool, <laughs> which it does sound cool. It's very violent, but it's a cool nickname. <laughs> Uh, so that, that's homicide homie. But so I started to think, well, could I come up with my own bad Hamadou Diallo nicknames? Okay. Yeah. But, but then, but then Andrew, I added a new twist. I was like, no, no. I can't just do nicknames. You know what? The thunder have a brand new play by play announcer, Chris Fisher. Yeah. He needs some, he's not a big catchphrase guy. You know, know, we we're used to Brian Davis having catchphrases for every single thing he does. New guy doesn't have a lot of catchphrases. Maybe he just needs some. So I came up with six Hamadou Diallo catchphrases. So for each one of these, I'm going to give you the scenario in which it would be used. And then I will, I will tell you what the catchphrase is. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first one scenario, Hamadou comes out of nowhere and has a crazy put back dunk. Okay. That could happen. Yeah. Very possible. Chris Fisher is going to say Hamadou. What? (laughs) <laughs> pretty good right that's pretty good yeah that's a good one okay yeah that's that might be something that you could actually say on the broadcast yeah, <laughs> yeah oh you can say all these these are all family friendly okay okay good okay next one scenario the thunder have an off shooting night in the playoffs okay but diallo comes in and he keeps them in it with some timely shooting and good defense okay that's the scenario very specific <laughs> so so chris fisher says the Thunder are looking at Hamadou right now saying, Mahalo, Diallo. Huh? That's pretty what? good. What does that mean? Mahalo means thank you in Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it happens to rhyme with Diallo. Okay. okay? I didn't know that. I didn't. <laughs> well, you need some background for some of these, apparently. Okay. <laughs> so that was uh, Mahalo, Diallo. Okay. Next one. Okay scenario diallo finishes a crazy alley-oop dunk where he jumps out of the arena okay chris fisher's gonna say diallo 13 we have liftoff now understand for this one to work he really needs to switch numbers with paul george right and the audience (laughs) needs to be familiar with the 1995 movie apollo 13 which is sort of rhymes with diallo (laughs) okay so that that one is a little bit of a stretch i admit but if he ever does change his number to 13 he can be diallo 13 yeah okay this next one do you really want to be apollo 13 (laughs) probably not (laughs) hey they came back they yeah, made it. They, they didn't complete their mission. I think that's like on a on a missed dunk, right? <laughs> okay, okay, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that makes more sense. <laughs> okay, this one's very specific. All right, number three scenario: Hamadou gets a huge block in the clutch. All right, he falls to the ground underneath the hoop. The crowd's going crazy. He lands on his stomach, so he's kind of like splayed out, and he starts pantomiming. <laughs> pantomiming as if he's swimming on the court okay are you imagining this this is his celebration oh i can he's, see it he's pretending to be swimming on the court chris fisher's gonna say just another day at the beach for tommy bahami yeah <laughs> okay now this is uh for background on this you need to know about the uh the brand tommy bahama which is a popular lifestyle brand for 60-year-old guys on vacation. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> but Tommy Bahami, that's a that's a fun name. Yeah. Okay, you didn't like that one as much. I got two more for you. Okay. All right, next scenario. Diallo has a poster dunk on Draymond Green. Oh, okay. It could have been anyone. This is very but exciting. I chose yeah. Draymond. Okay, Chris Fisher's going to say, Draymond, you've just been served a hami salami. <laughs> That that's solid, Hami Salami. That is such a Brian Davis ism, though. <laughs> now, an alternate there, you could also use Hami Tsunami, which I think is actually a, a pretty cool nickname. Yeah, I like that one. It's like jo- it's like Johnny Tsunami, the uh, original yeah. Disney Channel movie. Um, okay, last one for you. Again, a very specific one. Hamadou Diallo hits a game winner against the Heat on the road. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> a nearly impossible scenario when you have Russell Westbrook on your team. But go ahead, <laughs> Chris Fisher's going to say, "Welcome to me, Hami. Bienvenidos, Ami, Hami." <laughs> no, that's good. I like that. I hope I hope Chris Fisher's listening because he he's feel free to use any of these. <laughs> he could use, but he could, you could use that just in any scenario where he does something in Miami. That's true. It doesn't, that's have true. To, it doesn't have to be the game winner. Doesn't have to be. So that's a little more realistic. Why can't you? Why wouldn't you use the? Uh, like he he catches an alley oop from Westbrook, and you do the Hama do what I want. You know, I was trying to remember the lyrics to that song, and was too lazy to look it up because <laughs> I was in my head. I was like sitting in my bed last night, just going Hama do Hama do Hama do Hama do, <laughs> just trying to figure out what it sounded like. And, I, and that song came into my head, but I couldn't remember it. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, that's great. I'm, I'm excited. I've never heard you so optimistic about a young guy for the Thunder. That's not like a lottery pick. Uh, Yeah, that's really true. <laughs> uh, he's just he's different. It's different this time, Andrew. Wow. That's it's different. That makes me way more optimistic. I thought that you were going to help me be a little bit more grounded today. Nope. Uh, but I'm I'm wildly optimistic about Hamadou Diallo. Yeah, he's just uh, we've just sat through so many wings who are just going to defer and just stand in the corner. And I just feel like Diallo is different. He feels like he's better than that. He can do more than that. And and it's just been preseason and it was just summer league. But I'm still very, very excited. Yeah, he's good. And. He's shown up to this point in the season, like he showed a lot more than what Ferguson did last year. I mean, you had to really, really look hard to find the good things that Ferguson did at this point in the season. He got better as the season went along. I thought that he shouldn't play at all this time last year, and then he ended up playing like a pretty significant role. Uh, and he got better and better, and I was impressed. And I'm to the point where I do want to see him play. Uh, but Diallo is already pretty good and he's a little bit older than what ferguson was but um his player type is just perfect for this team so anyways i think we're done building him up um maybe not (laughs) now to tear him down now now we're gonna tear him down i'd like to thank day creative for sponsoring today's show day creative is a norman-based full service web design agency that wants to see your business thrive Our end-to-end solutions will build your online identity and expand your brand to audiences you haven't even considered. You can ask for Matt. He is a wonderful person, easy to work with. He's going to get you exactly what you need. He's going to push your brand in the exact right way and help you expand what you're doing. You can say goodbye to cookie-cutter templates and leave the heavy lifting to Day Creative. That's daycreative.net. And now, back to the show with Alex Spears. Now we're going to go over the the top five storylines heading into the regular season because now we can look forward to the regular season. It's less than a week away. Next Tuesday night, the Thunder are in Golden State. I think the key things to look for, well, and I'm going to go, this is my number one, is Russell Westbrook's health. Can he come back and be the Russell Westbrook that we all know and love? Is he going to come back quickly? Is he going to come back in a couple weeks? I don't know. I still kind of expect him to play next Tuesday night. Uh, and I've heard other people that are way smarter than me say that they don't think that he will. Uh, but I still have the feeling that there's a there's a good chance that he's going to play, mostly because Russell Westbrook hates missing time, and he almost always comes back 
uh, either on time or ahead of schedule. And this will be five weeks, basically, once we get to next Tuesday. And they said four weeks will be reevaluated. Uh, I'd still be a little bit surprised if he didn't play, but I think, I mean, this team is, has been really fun in the preseason, and Schroeder's been better than we thought he would be. And a lot of these guys have taken on roles that <clears throat> have been surprising. But I still think that Russell Westbrook's health is the key to this team's success this season. And so uh, that's my number one. Uh, that's a great one. I uh, did this completely different. <laughs> so I was actually <laughs> trying to predict Thunder storylines. Oh, okay. So so yours is you, – you, why don't you just do yours real quick? Yeah, so Russell Westbrook's health is number one for me. Number two is Andre Robertson's health. If they're going to compete – uh, at a high level, like if we think that they have a chance to get to the conference finals, you have to have Andre Robertson there, and he has to be playing well uh, because you're likely going to play. Hopefully, they get to play Houston before they play Golden State. Um, hopefully, they can get past the first round. But if they can be in the same position they were last year, where they would play Houston in the second round, you need Andre Robertson to be out there to defend James Harden, and so uh, he's. To me, he's the guy that defends Harden the best in the NBA. And so if you have him out there, I think you have a real shot to, to make some noise in the playoffs. And, you know, it is nice that he's had the injury and the setback at the beginning of the season because hopefully he can get completely healthy and ready to go and 100% by playoff time. Um, I think he should be 100% before that. But I think that we have to temper our expectations with Dre. But that's number two for me. Uh, number three is can one of these wings outside of Paul George and Andre Robertson be good and be good in the regular season? And so uh, we've seen a lot from Diallo, which is encouraging, but we still need to see it against quality NBA opponents. Uh, Alex Sabrinas, I'm still a a big believer in him, but his health is always a question. Uh, Also, you kind of question the the coaching staff's belief in him as a guy. Uh, So there's a question mark there. Um, you have TLC, who I think is just kind of a meh wing that can be – he can be a guy off the bench that can play every now and then. You have Abdul Nader, who is still a huge question mark for this team. So can one of those guys contribute night in, night out and be a guy that maybe you can close with if you need to or just a guy that can soak up significant minutes? Uh, because every single season it seems like we've had a few wings that – you know, hopefully they develop is what we say at the beginning of the season. And then either one, they don't get the chance to develop or they're just not any good. And then we have to go pick somebody up at the end of the season that ends up playing significant, significant minutes. You know, Corey Brewer was playing like 30 minutes a night at times, which is just inexcusable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't want this team to get to that point again. I just think if we if we get to the trade deadline and we're talking about trading for Courtney Lee, Avery Bradley again, like I'm going to beat my head against the wall because they need to have somebody on this team that can play. And they've got enough wings on the roster that somebody has to be decent. And so they need I'm just asking for one of those guys. Sounds like you don't want to go to the trade machine, Andrew. I'm fine going to the trade machine. I just don't want to go for a wing again and talk. We we've had the same conversations every single year, right? Like, how many how many times have we fake traded for Courtney Lee? How many times? Uh, how how many times do you think you're going to have to talk about Avery Bradley? Oh my gosh, this year. Oh, I'm so, it, Avery Bradley has probably been the most said name on every Thunder podcast ever. I mean, it's just unbelievable for a guy. You would think that this guy has played for the Thunder at some point, right? With as much as people talk about him. Never played for the Thunder. Probably never will play for the Thunder. It's just not going to happen. So that's that's one of my storylines for the season. Can we get one of these guys to be good? If they, It's possible that there's more than one, but I'm just asking for one. That's all they really need. Yeah. Uh, uh, Storyline number four, uh, can Dennis Schroeder close games next to Russell Westbrook? I think is uh, is a big question. And really, the answer the answer lies in his defense. Can he defend at a quality enough level to stay on the court next to Russell at the end of games and him not be a liability? Because teams are going to hunt for the weakest point in a defense, and they're going to find it. You know, we saw it over and over and over again with Carmelo Anthony last season. 
especially in the playoffs against Utah. They just hunted him down, and they just destroyed him over and over again. And will Schroeder be that kind of guy that won't be able to hold up? Um, and I think that's a pretty important one because I've always thought that the Thunder, the way they've been designed roster-wise, it's been difficult to have your best five players on the court all at the same time. And last year, I thought that that was the end of that. Um, but it ended up being another problem because Jeremy Grant outplayed Mello by the end of the season. Yeah. And so you couldn't have your best five players on the floor. And Schroeder, I believe, is one of the best five players on this team. I think if you have a healthy drag, I think they're probably about equal footing as far as like importance on the roster. Uh, and can you have them all on the floor at the same time? And it's, to me, it's a big question mark. Um, so can he close games next to Russell? And then five is can OKC defend the first part of this season without Andre Robertson? Because last season, the defense fell off a cliff. They seemed like they had no idea what they were doing, despite the fact that they had Steven Adams, who was a really quality NBA defender, and Paul George, who people had talked about as being a defensive player of the year guy toward the beginning of the season. And then when Dre went down, no one talked about it ever again. And it was because they couldn't defend. And so can they can they, and really to me this is a coaching staff issue. Because we got a lot of excuses from the coaching staff as to why things weren't going well for them. And to me, I, I don't think that they can come up with those excuses again. They have the time to plan. They know who they have on their roster to start the season with. They're not all bad defenders. It's not like we have just a team full of dudes that have no idea what they're doing. Uh, we have quality defenders still, even without Dre. And can they defend at like a top 10 level? I think they should be able to. Uh, and if they don't, to me, the it, it should fall on Billy and the coaching staff because I think they have the pieces there. And so to me, those are like the top five things to watch for heading into the Thunder season. Yeah, and I think all those make a lot of sense. The, I, like I said, I interpreted this as trying to predict what we would be talking about in two weeks. Okay, yeah. So I feel more confident about some of these than the others. But the first one I feel the most confident about is I have a feeling a major topic of conversation in two weeks is going to be the starting shooting guard position. Yeah. So I do think that Ferguson likely gets the start after coming back from a concussion. And the thing I'm going to be looking for the most is what is his net rating with that starting unit and then specifically with Russell Westbrook. So last year, yeah. I went and looked at the two-man lineups. Russell played more than 350 minutes with 11 different guys. Patterson, Brewer, Mello, Felton, Abrinas, Adams, George, Grant, Robertson, Hustis, and Ferguson. Only one of those did he have a negative net rating with. Every other player on the team that played with Russell Westbrook had a positive net rating. The only one that was negative was Terrence Ferguson. And it was negative by a lot. It was like yeah. negative 6.1. Mm -hmm. And the next worst was Patrick Patterson at plus 2.3. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Like is Ferguson has Ferguson gotten that much better as just like a team player where he's not going to drag a starting unit down that much. Yeah. We'll see because you can't, lose those minutes with Westbrook like yeah. those those minutes with Westbrook have to be your best minutes yeah and so if anything is going sorry if you can hear my dog hacking <laughs> in the background geez Hank <laughs> relax <laughs> but uh they they need to be getting positive minutes when Westbrook is on the court and so that that is something that I'm going to be looking for in the first couple of games to see what the net rating is for that starting unit yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And people are already going to be clamoring for Diallo over Ferguson. Like, I'm sure it's happening as we speak on Twitter. Uh, I mean, correct. That is me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another one I think we're going to be talking about is Paul George's fast start. I just have a feeling he's going to come out of the gate firing. Yeah. We've seen him in preseason. He looks healthy. He seems super comfortable. He's been with the team now for a full season. I just think he's going to come out of the gates and maybe even extra because if Westbrook doesn't play or if he doesn't play his full minutes, um, I think Paul George could just have like a really big bang to the start of the season. Yeah. Um, oh, another uh, one. I have something real quick. Jonathan, oh, yeah. Jonathan Sharks just put out an article on the ringer 
about uh, unheralded players coming into their second season, and Terrence Ferguson makes the list. Really? Yeah. Is that a good or a bad thing? That's, Is he saying it's a good thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's he's high he's he's high on him, uh, which is a lot more than he had to say when I brought him on the podcast after he was drafted. I don't know if, you, if any of you remember that, but I, I brought Sharks on for like five minutes, or it was probably a little bit longer than that. But he was like leaving his gym on his phone, and I started asking about Terrence Ferguson, and I was like, "Well, what do you think about Terrence Ferguson's game?" He's like, "I don't know." Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so he's come a long way on Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> Okay, continue. Uh, another one. This is, you know, I'm, I'm predicting. I'm just predicting here. But I think a topic of conversation is what happened to Jeremy. I'm a little worried about Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Just because he was so good at the end of last season, it's possible that he doesn't immediately get right back to where he was last spring. And so if he has a little bit of a step back, especially with, you know, Noel there, so he's not going to be playing back up five as much. I think it could just look different for him and we could be worrying about him early in the season. And then the last one I had was who doesn't get minutes because, Mm -hmm. and this is something we've talked about a bunch, but is he, you look at this, the 14 man lineup. And even if you throw out like Robertson and maybe Nader, that's still 12 guys who you think probably are going to get some minutes. And so is Billy going to have a super deep rotation or is he going to pick and choose? Are there going to be nights where, you know, Abrinas gets a DMP and then the next night Diallo gets a DMP? I, I'm just interested to see who doesn't get minutes early in the season so we can see where the pecking order is right out of training camp. Yeah, and you know just the way that Billy operates that he's going to play. Like all these guys will play at some point this season. Right. You know, even Kyle Singler played a little bit last season. So you know that everybody's going to get a chance and you know what does it look like because last season it was like billy didn't really have enough guys right and that he was trying to play guys that really didn't belong in the rotation and this season it might be the opposite that really a lot of these guys deserve time to me last season terrence ferguson didn't deserve to have the time that he did um but he played him anyways and this season, I think Ferguson deserves time. I think Diallo deserves some time. I think Abrinas deserves time. I don't know about TLC or Abdul Nader, uh, but I think that they'll both play. Um, pro- probably TLC does deserve some time as well. And you can't play all those guys, especially when Robertson's back. There's just no way to play all those wings. And so um, it it will be very interesting. And it makes you think that like maybe some of these guys will be trade bait you know, at the deadline, maybe even for yeah. a, a future pick or, you know, you consolidate them for, for one guy off the bench. I don't know. I think that, you know, the Thunder are going to have a lot to play around with coaching staff and GM wise. Okay. What about league wide storylines? Okay. Do you have some of these. I do. Uh, uh, my first one is can a team in the East be good enough to make the finals fun again? Because mm. last year, it was inevitable. You just watched the East unfolding, and you were like, okay. Celtics are completely banged up. There's no way that they're going to threaten the Warriors. Uh, we knew the Cavs from midseason on were not going to be a threat to the Warriors, right? Like, we just, right. we knew it. And then there's really nobody else. Like, the we the Raptors were, were really good. They won 59 games in the regular season. It's like, wow, this team is really good, but we know for sure that when they play LeBron, they're going to collapse because that's what the Raptors do. And so this season, there it seems like there's a little bit more hope, at least at this point, um, you know, right before the start of the regular season, that we might have a team that can challenge the Warriors, at least push them, you know, six or seven games, and it'd be a, a real series. And so I think you obviously you look at the top three teams, you look at Boston Celtics, you look at the Toronto Raptors, and you look at the Sixers. And can one of those teams emerge as an elite team that's going to challenge them? And so I, I don't I don't know that that's going to happen, but I think at least we have there's a chance of that this season. So I'm going to bounce off of that with one of my early season predictions, which is that Boston's going to get off to a slow start. Oh wow, Andrew! Oh wow, I'm I'm predicting that Boston will be six and four after their first ten. Wow. Uh, listen to these. Listen to this. These are six of their first 10 games. Philly at Toronto at OKC, Milwaukee at Indiana and at Denver. Wow. 
That's so a I think really there's tough, some tough ones in there. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're reintegrating two guys and yeah. not just two guys, but like two high usage guys. Right. Obviously they're super deep. Obviously they're a great team. I still think they're a great team, but I think there could be some that could be an early season storyline just like because especially if you've watched them in the preseason they just they're not at their full form yet like they, yeah. they're still working the kinks out and so that's one of my early season predictions yeah no it, it's gonna be fascinating to watch that team in a lot of ways because they do have even like we talk about like the thunder have more like theoretical depth right now <laughs> right we, we think that these guys can play but we haven't seen them do it Boston has guys that can play all the way to the 12th or 13th guy. And so how does that work? How does that shake out? Cause you can't play all of them. I think even more so it's a, it's a huge question for them because I, I think that guys can become discontent being at the end of the bench, knowing that I'm like a top eight rotation guy. If I'm on any other team in this league, um, but because I play for the Celtics, I don't get to play. And so right, that's yeah. not always it, having quality depth is great. But also having guys at the end of the bench that you they're either so young that they know they're not going to play or they're just kind of locker room guys. I think those guys can be important because they do kind of help the cohesion of the team a little bit more. And when everybody feels like they need to play, then I think that it can be a problem. And so I think Brad Stevens is obviously in a good position and knows how to handle a team and maybe there won't be any problems, but I think there are, there's some potential there for a little bit of friction just because you can't play everybody. Um, okay. So my second storyline for the league is can anybody in the West compete with the Warriors? Did the Rockets take a huge step back with the roster moves that they made? And maybe they're no longer able to compete with the Warriors like they did last year. And did any team outside of the Rockets take a big enough step forward to where they can either take that the place of them, like maybe Utah or even Oklahoma City? Do those teams, are they going to be able to compete with the Warriors this year? And so uh, I, I think the answer is no. Um, but I would like to see if if they did. I think the Rockets are still going to be awesome in the regular season. They're going to win a ton of games. Uh, but when it comes down to the playoffs, I think that their their depth at the wings is definitely definitely a huge downgrade. Um, but I'm just interested to see if we can will we get another six or seven game series uh, against the Warriors this season is basically the question. I hope so. And to bounce off of that, a team that won't be competing in the West. Listen to this, Angie. Listen to this hot take. People will be talking about the Pelicans needing to trade AD within the first 10 games. Oh, my goodness. Listen, listen to this schedule. I should have said first 12 games. Their opening schedule is insane. Okay, it starts at Houston, Sacramento, Clippers, whatever. Who cares? All right, so maybe they're 2-1 and one at that point. These next seven games will be played in 12 nights. Okay. Keep that in mind. Seven games, 12 nights. Brooklyn, Utah, at Denver, at Golden State, at Portland, at San Antonio, at Oklahoma City. Wow. So I'm feeling good about that at Oklahoma City game because that's going to be at the end of seven games in 12 nights. Yeah, that's And that's five road games in a row. That's going to take them... I mean, they're going to go all the way from Brooklyn all the way over to Portland. It's going to be a bad stretch. I could see them starting off really poorly. And then and then it's going to start. And then it's going to start, Andrew. <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to trickle in. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, that's, that is kind of scary for them. Because uh, they, like, they could be pretty good, but the, like, the Alfred Payton stuff scares the crap out of me if I'm a Pelicans fan. Like, he's just not as good as Rondo is. Uh, and Rondo's just like okay, like Rondo's not great, um, but then like you downgraded that position. They want to play super fast. Can Alfred Payton help them do that? I don't know. Does Alfred Payton help you? I don't know. I mean, the Phoenix Suns, who desperately need a point guard, just said, "All right, see you later." Like we, we don't really want to bring him back. <laughs> like, that's a big red yeah, flag like, to me. Brian McDonough was like, "I'd rather get fired than bring back Alfred Payton." Right. I'd rather not have a starting point guard. Yeah. Because he could have at least signed him and just been like, hey, Robert Sarver, I've got a starting point guard. And we think right. he can develop into something. And then he may have been satisfied and still had a job. You're right. It's like, nope, I think Alpha Payne's, we're willing to let him go. And you know what? We 
have a guy named Shaquille Harrison on the team. Does anybody know who he is? No, nobody knows who he is. No one's seen him play. But he's probably he might be our starting point guard. Yeah, it's, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that the Pelicans team is re- they're really fascinating on a lot of levels. Just because you have Julius Randle, who's in a completely different situation. People think he's good, but he's been playing on this bad Lakers team. Uh, can AD even stay healthy? Because I think that's another big question mark. So Andrew Holiday, Drew Holiday had a great season last year, but he's a guy that tends to have a lot yep. of injury problems. And so if you have an injury of one of those guys, you're just kind of screwed. Uh, my next storyline uh, involves three players, and it's Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Jimmy Butler. And what do their seasons look like? Are they satisfied with where they're at? And what's going to happen with them in the offseason? Because to me, the those three are the key to the Lakers becoming the team that everybody thinks they're going to be. Because you already have, like, Clay Thompson has already talked about how he's satisfied playing for the Warriors for the, even the rest of his career. Uh, Kyrie Irving, who was never going to be a Laker anyways, has already committed to Boston verbally. Uh, then you have these three guys. Does Kawhi Leonard stick with the Raptors? Do, do they have a run to the finals where he's like, yeah, I could, we can compete here for the next few years. Let's, let's go ahead and play here. Where does Jimmy Butler get traded to? Is he traded to the Heat? Does he love Heat culture? I don't know. Uh, Kevin Durant, uh, I think he's probably going to be done with the Warriors, if not this season, probably next. And what's his next move? To me, if he wants to like remake his image, the weirdest way to do it would be going to L.A. and playing behind LeBron James, right? Like That would be a weird move. Yeah. They would be good. They would obviously be a very good team. They'd be competing for a title almost instantly. Uh, you'd also expand the amount of title contenders there are in the Western Conference then because then I don't think the Warriors are unbeatable. Uh, so it would be more, f- uh, definitely a more fun NBA to have him in L.A. But he, if he wants to be the guy, like why would you go to L.A.? And maybe he'll do it anyways because Kevin Durant's kind of a big weirdo. Um, but what does he do? Uh, to me, those guys are going to change the NBA – uh, as much as it will change in the next calendar year. Um, so I I think that everybody needs to watch them because if the Lakers just get one of those guys, like they become more like contender types because if you can just add one of those guys on top of what you have with the Lakers developing young guys and LeBron James, then you may have a Western Conference Finals to NBA Finals contender on your hands. Um, so those three guys I think are the three to watch this season. Um, and they're going to, there's going to be rumors swirling around them constantly. Swirling. Uh, well, bounce, bouncing off of Jimmy Butler specifically, my prediction for the first couple weeks of the season is that Tom Thibodeau will be fired before December. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, How do you feel about that? Listen, I believe, I believe that. Listen, Listen to this opening schedule. <laughs> That's what I'm doing for all of these. <laughs> Listening, listen to this opening schedule. Okay. They start at the Spurs and then Cleveland at home. Big deal again. Maybe they're one and one. Maybe they're two and zero. Who cares? Listen to these next 10 games. At Dallas, Indiana, at Toronto, Milwaukee, Lakers, Utah, at Golden State, at Portland, at the Clippers, at the Lakers. I think they're going to get off to a rough start. They have not looked great in the preseason. I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler. It does not seem like they're going to be trading him right before the season. Yeah. Um, I forget who said it, but they said that uh, Glenn Taylor turned down some deal that was Josh Richardson and a protected future first. (sighs) So if they're turning that down, I I just don't know if they're going to move him right away. And if they don't move him right away, I wonder if he's even going to play. And if he doesn't play, there's going to be drama. Even if he does play, there's going to be drama. He's probably not going to really be that into it. Andrew Wiggins has not looked good in preseason. No. Carl Anthony Towns will be great, of course. But I think they could get off to a really rough start. And I think Glenn Taylor is going to have a really short leash with Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, I'm 100% in on that storyline. The, the Wolves have looked like a team that's in their own heads in the preseason. We saw them play against the Thunder. They were awful. I mean, they were yeah. just downright awful. And yeah, they were missing Jimmy Butler, but the Thunder were missing Russell Westbrook, and the Thunder made it look so easy because they just, you could tell they just weren't into it and that they had other things going on. You know, you have a split between your ownership group and your GM, who is actually your coach. 
I mean, I mean, I guess he's the president of basketball operations, not their GM, but still, you have a split between the front office and the ownership group that trickles down all the way to the team almost every time. And unless you have strong leadership in the locker room among the players, you know, you had you know some split between the coaching staff and the ownership group with the Clippers, but they had Chris Paul, who's one of the best leaders in the NBA. So it wasn't as much of a deal with them, although it did trickle into the team a lot. But this, you have like these kind of fragile young guys who are still finding their way in the NBA. It's a complete mess, a complete mess. And Jeff Teague is not going to be the guy to lead them to the promised land. I think they're going to be pretty bad. And it, if I'm the Timberwolves, man, just trade him. Just trade Jimmy Butler for somebody and do it quick. Then also look for probably a landing spot for Jeff Teague, right? Like trade for yeah. young guys. See if you can get a first round pick for Jeff Teague from somebody, and then just play to the timeline of of Towns, you know, because they're not winning anything anytime soon. But in the next five, like at year five with this squad, like maybe they can find a landing spot for for Andrew Wiggins with somebody, and you know, pick up a piece here and there, and then you're building around Towns, who could be an MVP candidate in the near future. Like, that's what you should do. Like, when they fast-forward their timeline last season, it looked like, okay, well, this this team is, looks like they're going to be pretty good. They get two years with Jimmy Butler, and things have just completely fallen apart. And it's all, like, the ownership group has blood on their hands with all of this. And it, that's the way it's been with the Wolves since they've been the Wolves, is that they just have a terrible ownership group. And I, I don't know that they're ever going to be a, a real title contender until they have a, a different owner. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Uh, number four for me, uh, which rookies stand out? I think that's always a fun one. Uh, to, you know, last season, obviously, you have tons of guys. The Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell were both super fun and actually like helpful to winning, which is really rare for a rookie to come in and help a team win. And do we have any of these guys this season? I think DeAndre Ayton has already proven a lot in the preseason that he's a guy that's ready to come in and put up monster numbers in the regular season. And so I, I think that he has a good chance for a rookie of the year type year. I don't think he's going to help them win uh, just because the Suns are going to be terrible. Uh, but what does Luka Doncic look like as a Maverick? Can he help them win? Is he you know ready for the NBA? What's that transition look like for him? Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. on Memphis, can he help raise their level a little bit? Uh, Trey Young is going to play as much as he wants. Uh, Colin Sexton in in Cleveland is going to play a ton as well. Uh, And then there's always other guys in the first round that stand out and play a lot. And one of these guys is going to be good, and I have no idea who it's going to be. And so uh, it's always interesting for me to see who's good with the rookie class. And maybe it's even our own Hamadou Diallo, who we spent... 45 minutes talking about. So uh, I think the rookie uh, well, class one, is really interesting. One team filled with young guys and a rookie are going to be bad, Andrew. I'm predicting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a crazy prediction, huh? <laughs> I'm predicting that the Chicago Bulls will be the last team in the league to get a win. Oh, okay. That's not that outlandish, but. The Hawks have an easier schedule. Five of their first eight are against the Knicks, Cleveland, Chicago, Cleveland, and Sacramento. So I think the Hawks are going to get a win. Yeah. The Bulls record or the Bulls opening schedule isn't as easy. Now you do have the Kings and maybe the Kings just keep losing, but I'm, I'm putting my prediction on the Bulls to be the last to win. I I think they could start, you know, Oh, and eight or Oh, and nine. They've looked terrible in the preseason, like so bad. Cameron Payne still getting minutes. He's been bad. I keep checking his box scores. <laughs> yeah, that Bulls team is is really really sorry, and I just don't know. I don't know why Zach Lowe picked them as like a top ten league pass team. That just still blows know. my mind. And especially now that Markinen's out for six to eight weeks. Yeah, they're screwed. It's, just, it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Anybody like Jabari Parker? He's he's just like Carmelo Anthony. If Carmelo just wasn't any good, right? I mean, yes. it's just it's it's a sad situation, and everybody just loves to talk about Zach Levine's contract. I don't know, but yeah, the the Bulls will be terrible. They'll just be awful. I like Wendell Carter Jr. He's fun. Um, 
but still he's a rookie big man and very few rookie big guys help your team win. And so, yeah, they're going to lose so many games, which you should like the team should not be aiming to win. They should be aiming to get another lottery pick. Yeah, Um, I agree. uh, Last one is I don't, and I don't see it now, but maybe outside of Jimmy Butler, what trades will impact the season? And so there's always trades that impact the NBA season on the fringes. Maybe there'll be another big blockbuster deal uh, that will change the league um, big time. But, you know, I, I think that trades always affect at least the fringes of the league. And so um, that's all I've got. I think the really the big storylines to me are can anybody compete with the Warriors? And Eastern Conference, Western Conference, I don't care who it is. Can Will there be one team to rise up and compete with the Warriors. And so I, I think that list is probably Rockets, Thunder, Jazz, uh, Celtics, and Toronto to me. Those are the teams that I think one of them could rise up and compete, um, at least take them to six or seven um, in a series. So those are the teams that I'd be looking for. And to me, that's the biggest storyline. And my last prediction, all of mine have been negative so far. So how about a positive prediction? <laughs> my positive prediction is about the Bucks. Okay. And Giannis specifically, I think that they go into their October 29th matchup against the Raptors 6-0. and Oh. And I think everyone's talking about Giannis as the MVP leader. This has nothing to do with the fact that I took him first in the down-to-dunk <laughs> fantasy draft. <laughs> It's all about Giannis, not about me. Six of their first nine are at home. They have games against the Knicks, Orlando, Sacramento. I just think they're going to get off to a quick start. I believe in Coach Bud. Mm -hmm. And I I just think adding Coach Bud is going to do more for this team than any player they could have added. And I'm just excited to see what they look like. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I like that Milwaukee team. I think they're going to be really fun. And changing the coach sometimes makes all the difference. And so I, I think they even showed last night they have some quality depth on their team. And so yeah. um, I think they'll be impressive. Uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the show today. you got to follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. Uh, if you're a part of our league, our fantasy league, please thank him for all the work that he's put into that. Andrew uh, took Kevin Durant. Uh, I did on accident, man. I was trying to I was trying to get it on my phone. I could not pull up the draft on my phone. Then I run into my computer and I'm starting it up and I'm putting in the password and going to NBA or ESPN. And then I get there and it's like I have Kevin Durant, Kimball Walker already. Oh crap! Uh. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was not happy about that. Um, but follow him on Twitter. Follow us at Down to Dunk. You can follow me at Andrew K Schlecht. Uh, this Saturday, October thirteenth. We will be at the press from 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. And then after that, we will have an after party at Anthem Brewing Company. So if at any point in the day you want to come hang out with us, we will be out there and available. The podcast will be super fun at the press. You can come eat some good food. You can go get a good beer at Anthem afterwards. So please come and hang out with us at the press. Um, tomorrow night I'll have is the first uh, NBA Tonight that I'll be hosting on CBS Sports Radio here locally at 105.3 FM. So be sure to tune in. Uh, you'll be able to call in uh, to that show and ask me questions. Uh, Antonio Daniels uh, will be on that show tomorrow night. So it's going to be a super fun show. So be sure to tune into that. I'll send out a link where you can listen online as well. Hope you guys have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys again, not Friday, because we're going to do a seven-hour podcast on Saturday. So we'll talk to you guys again Saturday. And hopefully see a lot of you then.